Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to TMZ Movie Crashers. Welcome back to TMZ's Movie Crashers. I'm your host, Fabian Garcia from TMZ. I'm your host, Paige Catton from 2Fab. Lots of movie news, per usual. Uh, We're going to quickly go through a list of stuff that we're not going to discuss at length today. Uh, Honorable mentions, as we like to call them. Yeah. Uh, Including the fact that Tobin Bell, did you hear about this? He's coming back as Jigsaw in the new Saw movie. I don't know if you, do you know who that is? I don't know who that is. I saw saw a photo, but I know who. You know, you never seen Saw or any of the Saws? No. Okay, damn. That's crazy. Uh, he's a big deal. He's the Jigsaw. He's yeah, the original. Yeah, I, I saw a tweet about that. And he yeah. died. And Anyway, so I don't know how they're bringing him back, but he is coming back. That's a big deal. Uh, this one's kind of, this one got a lot of headlines, actually. Marlon Wayne's defending white chicks against cancel culture, even though, in my opinion, no one was really even trying to cancel white chicks. No. He was just responding to uh, an interviewer from BuzzFeed who basically just asked a very clickbaity question you know, I think the, the premise was like, oh, do you think white chicks would be able to get made today? And he said, well, I think movies like that need to be made today. And yeah. I can't with this generation, yada, yada, yada. Um, I, I got to be honest. I don't think white chicks. It's not that white chicks wouldn't couldn't be made today because of the the content or because it's controversial. I don't think it's that. I just think that those types of comedies, those like lowbrow comedies from the 2000s and early 2010s, they don't make those movies the anymore. Stupid, funny, the, the stupid comedy movies. Yeah. yeah, they don't make those movies anymore at all. So yeah. that that's why white chicks wouldn't be made today. It has nothing to do with cancel culture. And yet, Marlon Wayne's defending white chicks. I love yeah. white chicks. So there you go. It's a classic. It is. Uh, big news. Henry Cavill uh, again confirming that he is in fact back as Superman. We already knew that last week because mm-hmm. it was reported. Uh, now he's on video saying, I am back. Thank you for your patience. Yada, yada, yada. There you go. That's kind of the big spoiler of Black Adam, which I know you're going to talk about more later. Mm-hmm. Henry Cavill's back as Superman, and there's going to be at least one more movie, possibly more. Yeah. Lois Lane is trending this morning. People are saying, should they recast Amy Adams? Should they not? A lot of Amy Adams defenders saying that she, they should, she should be left to recast, reprise a role, despite the fact she's a bit older. She's like 48 or something. She's an older woman, so that's interesting. Uh, Ant-Man, the the new trailer for the Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, came out. Quantumania. Quantumania, correct. And um, Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. First look at that. That's very exciting. Yeah, He looks trending. like a badass. Yeah. Uh, I'm I not Again, him. I'm not all that into Marvel, so I really don't give a shit, to be honest. But people are excited about it, so there you go. I'm that's an honorable mention. Uh, have you been hearing about this Bill Murray stuff lately? Man, oh yeah, man. Yeah, we've written about a little bit about it too. A lot, of, lot yeah. of Bill Murray stuff surfacing right now, a lot of a- accusations against him. Nothing like Me Too related per se, but people have basically just claimed generally, including has... Gina Davis, by the way, mm-hmm. that he's a jerk and that he yeah. has acted inappropriately and that he is a kind of an, an asshole a little bit. Did you see the thing with Seth Green? I did see that. I did, and I believe <laughs> it. So... Yeah, Bill Murray needs to check himself because it's yeah. not 1985 anymore and you're not the shit anymore. Yeah. Uh, they're making a new Conjuring. Conjuring 4 is in the works. That's exciting. Horror fans. And then Angelina Jolie uh, playing an opera singer in an upcoming biopic. Joker 2 starting production, I think, next month here in L.A. and also New York City. And last but not least, um, there's I saw this this morning on THR. Um, Nicolas Cage. 
his payday has been bumped. He he was making a million dollars. That was like his minimum threshold for each each B movie that he was in. Now because of Pig, I don't know if you saw Pig a couple years know, ago yeah, or last year, I think it was. Uh, Pig was fantastic. Yeah, uh, and that was kind of a big turn for him. It was, and, that's, and yeah. that's what THR is reporting that his now his new minimum threshold of getting paid is four million dollars because of okay. that movie, and now he's in way higher demand for live action movies. So good for Nick Cage. Yeah. Love Nick Cage. <laughs> Uh, but we're not gonna we're not talking we're not gonna talk about that stuff today. We're gonna talk about well, first of all, we're gonna start with the big motion picture, mm-hmm. uh, our biggest movie segment of the show, and we gotta talk about this controversy. It's not it's not exactly movie related. It's movie adjacent. It's, movie adjacent. Show. it's, it's award show adjacent, Central. Oscar yeah. adjacent. Yeah, and we're gonna quickly talk about Sachin Littlefeather, who mm-hmm. famously or infamously, depending on how you look at it. Um, made a speech back in 1973 at the Oscars when she accepted the award for Best Actor on behalf of Marlon Brando, Mm -hmm. but didn't actually accept it. She rejected the award, saying, I can't accept this. Marlon Brando's not going to accept this award because of Hollywood um, basically shitting on and screwing over indigenous people, Native Mm -hmm. Americans, how you guys portray us, how you guys treat us. She was citing some, some incident that happened that year or the year prior um, and she was basically just speaking up for Native American rights. Got a lot of controversy at the time. Uh, there, there was like audible boos coming from the audience. Yeah. Um, and there was there were reports from both uh, Sachin and then other people that John Wayne yeah. had to literally be restrained backstage or off stage somewhere because he wanted to charge her and attack her. He was literally he had to be the the word is six guards had to yeah, hold back John guards. Wayne. To stop him from charging Little Feather when she was on stage in 1973 during that yeah. award ceremony, um, and she has gone on to be a big voice in the Native American community, big time advocate. Uh, she passed away a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. I believe. Breast cancer. Yes, and then the other sort of news about her recently, about a month or so ago, the Academy f- officially came out and finally apologized yep. to her formally. All these years later, saying we screwed the pooch back then. Um, because they didn't really apologize to her back then. They just kind of let it be. Um, and that was like one of the biggest Oscar moments of of memory that I can, yeah. oh, you know, Will Smith's up there obviously too. Um, a different but yeah, kind of, different yeah, kind but of yeah it, it was a big deal at the time. And, you know, and, and, and she passed away. She died. And in the wake of her passing, a woman uh, wrote an opinion column this weekend for the San Francisco, for, yeah, can't even talk today, San Francisco Chronicle, mm-hmm. um, interviewing her sisters and basically calling Little, little Feather, Feather sisters. Little yeah. Feather Sisters, uh, calling her a fraud. That They basically claim that she is not of indigenous descent at all. Mm-hmm. She's not a Native American at all. She has no Native American ties or blood. And yet, all these for all these years, she has passed as a, as a Native American. Uh, and her sisters are saying that's BS, that she's Mexican. Her name, her, her legal first name is like Maria something, that her father has like ties to like, you know, from Mexico and everything. She's not Native American at all, and yet, the claim from this column is that she is she's a pretendian. That's what that's what they were calling her. That's mm-hmm. what the author was calling her. Jacqueline um, Keeler. Was yeah, Jacqueline Keeler. And look, I'm, I'm going to the other thing about this is that this has really kind of divided the indigenous community. There's a lot of people saying that Jacqueline Keeler mm-hmm. is a, a bit of a bad actor, that she has doxxed and outed people before and that she seems to be on this vendetta of going after, quote unquote, pretendians, yep. at, at least people that she thinks are pretendians in her yep. eyes. Um, and people say that she doesn't operate in good faith. I'm not sure if that applies in this case because this, these are her sisters that are saying it. 
Um, but there are some people who believe that Jacqueline Keeler actually that the sisters didn't know. Yeah, that, I read and that, that too. She fed it to them. I read that too. That like basically the sisters might have been under the impression that they had Native American roots or something. Mm-hmm. But Jacqueline Keeler, I don't know what she what sort of evidence she yeah. offered them. But basically said, you're actually not Native American. Yeah. I don't know, maybe she did like a family tree thing or something like that. I guess that's possible. Yeah. But in any case, the point is that they're accusing Sachin Littlefeather in death now, uh, who can't defend herself, saying that she's a pretendian, that she's not actually Native American. Shame on her. And it's kind of left, it's, it, it is kind of controversial because people in the Native community kind of question, well, what does this mean? What does this mean to her legacy? Mm-hmm. And my quick take on it before I pass it to you is this is very much in the same sort of ballpark, at least in my opinion. Um, as Rachel Dolezal. Rachel Dolezal, a white woman who infamously passed as a black woman for years and years and years, but was actually doing good things in the black community. She was the president of the Washington State chapter of the NAACP, and she was doing good work. And yet, when all that came out about her, huge fall from grace. Now she's on OnlyFans. No shame on that, but it's it's just the truth. Um, and Rachel Dolezal is a bit of a pariah in pop culture. She is, she, people cringe when they talk about Rachel Dolezal and this white woman and the privilege and passing as a black woman and how dare you kind of like co-adopt our race and this and that. To me, if this is in fact true about Sachin, which again, I, I don't really know that I just, I'm just reading the column, but if it is in fact true, then yeah, it's problematic in my opinion. And, and there's, I, there was a guest column written in response to that mm-hmm. on Variety from another Native American author. Laura Clark. Yeah. Yes, and she she was basically t- writing about the the wrestling she's having within her own mind about this issue. And she, the conclusion she basically came down to, which is a bit of a cop-out to me, is that, well, this is for her tribe to speak on. I think the tribes that um, Sachin claimed were Apache, like White Mountain Apache, and, and Yukata or something. And like. Yakoi? Yakoya. I sound like that. A Q U I. Yukia. Okay, whatever. Yeah. She she claimed two tribes. And what this variety guest columnist, who's also Native American, was saying is that it's up to those tribes to speak on it. I don't think they have spoken on it yet. Um, she was saying that like within tribal nations here, there's actually a blood count. Yeah. There's a blood count you have to have. And she was saying some tribes put more stress on that than others. Yes. Yeah. And she was basically, she just kind of threw her hands up and said, look, Sachin Littlefeather has done great work for the Native American community. Mm-hmm. And, and basically what, the, what I kind of gleaned from what the author's point of view was is that that trumps the work she did, the good work she did on behalf of the Native American community trumps her potential lie about being Native American. Yeah. And I got to say, if I disagree with that, okay. well, it's it's complicated. I mean, two things can be true at once, I suppose. But yeah. in my opinion, if Rachel Dolezal is going to get treated as a pariah, and I understand this woman is dead now and she can't defend herself. And I, I that's a, you know, it's it's a shame this kind of came out now in the wake of her death. And I also suspect I, there's some suspicious motives there behind that, too, that I want to point out. Yeah, I was going to. But, I, you know, again, if it is, in fact, true, it is problematic. It's problematic. Despite the good work she might have done on behalf of the Native American community, to me, it's problematic. Kind of in the same vein as Rachel Dolezal. She was problematic. It doesn't matter what good work she did. It's problematic. So people, the fact that people are kind of like picking and choosing when they want to get up up in arms about something like this because they're picking and choosing here. Satching little feathers dead, but a lot of people are saying are making excuses like, "Well, we don't know." And you know, they're they're throwing every excuse out to basically kind of brush this off it's like, "Oh, it's not that big of a deal." It is a big deal. If she did in fact lie in my opinion, it's a big deal. And that's all I really got to say about it. Where do you land? Okay, so first off, I want to note the, the obvious that, like, as like a white woman, I feel like there's only so much I can like. Yeah, really weigh I, in I, on we don't this. have to go down that road. No, like, I know. Oh, I, is it, is no, it for us to say? No, no, Who cares? No, no. I just, so wanted, just, I just wanted it. to note that, like, one thing. Sure. Just, you know, just I know that's obvious. So, 
Okay, first of all, I want to say that I think any sort of criticism of Sasheen after she died, after this close to her death, I think is in bad taste. I agree. It is terrible taste. I think taste. if, like, they I wanted to go that. on it, you know, bring this up in a few months or, you know, even later. Well, for, well they should have brought it up when she was alive so well, she could defend course. herself. That would yes. be ideal. But yes. I think the timing, like you mentioned, is very suspicious. Is. I think this supports that... Um, Keeler, the the columnist, it has a vendetta against Littlefeather Perhaps. because why would she just like immediately three weeks after Sasheen dies? You know, I mean, who knows when she went and talked to her the sisters? Right, we who don't know maybe, how long this has been in the works. Yeah, right? I mean, who knows? Maybe if I don't want to, you know, in the conspiracy territory, right. but you know, maybe she had this like waiting until she died or something. I mean, I hope not. That'd be just right. pure evil. Right. But I just think just any sort of criticism of her after she died, this close, sorry, this soon after her death, I think is really in horrible taste. I agree. Um, and again, we mentioned how like some people have said that Keeler possibly like, you know, pushed this on the sisters and the sisters had no idea. Yes. I that was they reading that too. Yeah. That they, um, they believed that they had native American heritage. Right. So basically what people are saying, not to interrupt you, but basically people are claiming that Keeler went to the sisters Convince them that yeah. hey, you're actually not Native American. Now give me some quote, some mean quotes about yeah. your sister. It's a lie. She's a fraud. Right. And yeah. by the way, the sisters and Sachin and I guess her family in general, they're estranged. Sachin yeah. is estranged from her family. Didn't go to the funeral. They no, were invited. Exactly. So that's worth noting. But go on, continue, please. So I kind of at first when I was reading the San Francisco Chronicle um, column, um, I first I was like, oh wow, this is very problematic. You know, mm. such Sachin made this. Um, you know, a Whole name identity. for herself yeah. because of this, um, because of her heritage. But then when I read the variety, um, the guest response, column response, yeah. I started to think, you know, and hearing about like how controversial Jacqueline Keeler allegedly is and yes. all the stuff that she's done. And she's gone on these witch hunts and right. trying to find these pretendians and right. all this stuff. Part of me like believed the San Francisco Chronicle stuff less. Mm. Now, I obviously feel like she had some, must have had some sort of evidence to support this. Sure. But I feel like it's sus and I'm not sure if I 100% believe her. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say because we don't I, have exactly. we don't have whatever material As she's you looking at. But unlike what you, I, I I do think that it is a, if it is true mm -hmm. that she doesn't have Native American didn't have Native American heritage, sorry. Right. Um I do agree that it would be problematic. Mm -hmm. However, I I know you said you disagree with this, but I kind of agree that it does that nevertheless, I think it trumps um what she's done. Like I think that her being um whether or not she was Native American, the stuff that she has done for trumps, the Native American trumps people, stumps, uh, tr stumps, trumps. Um, whether she actually whether is or she not. Actually, yeah. Okay. So, but like, what, what about Rachel Dolezal then? Like, what do you I make? had no idea who that was. Really? You know I have that? no idea who that is. What? I, no, Damn. No, it's, I have no idea. It's a very big pop culture thing. It's it's a it was a huge story. We've covered it here at TMZ. It was big. It was a big deal in like 2015 or so. Huge national news. Huge yeah. national news that Rachel Dolezal had passed as a black woman, had changed her hair, had like tanned her skin a little bit. It was a big deal. So basically, with with that, despite whether you know about it or not, with that, the fact that people were outraged and up in arms about Rachel Dolezal, why is that not applying to Sachin? I understand she's dead. That uh, that uh, that aside, though, why does that outrage not apply to Sachin Littlefeather if it is in fact true that she's passing as a Native American? Well, I mean, from if you're talking, because I didn't again, I didn't know about Rachel Dolezal, but like. I don't think Sasheen like changed her hair and skin color and all that stuff. She Did was she? she was donning like Native American garb all the time. Okay, well, so that, yeah, I mean, she was I trying to pass is, as a Native American straight up. Point. She called her. She point. changed her name to Little Feather. Like, 
You know what I mean? Like it's but like I feel like she if if the stuff that that one um variety guest columnist had said about, you know, a lot of these tribes do um they need to get your blood tested and all right. this stuff. You would think that there would have been some sort of screening process. I agree, but I again, I don't yeah, it's true. I, I, that's true. I don't I don't know again, the 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 tribes themselves as far as I know have not come out and spoken about this. I don't know what their process is. I don't know if they if they've addressed this in the past, but uh, I don't know. There's a lot of there's I mean, a lot of excuse making I see going on on behalf of Sachin, and I don't understand. I guess. It. I mean, I, I do think it's kind of like a double standard. Yeah. And I do agree with that. And, I, and again, I now after I don't know if it has to do with race or what it is. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just weird to me. And it but also it's like, could I, be... to me, all the rules should apply to everybody equally. But anyway. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, all right, I think yeah. we can go ahead and move on there because uh, we got we want to get to our reviews here. Uh, we're going to quickly talk about Tim Burton and what he said about Disney. Basically, long story short, I know you're going to read the co- quote here in a sec. He was uh, doing an interview with somebody recently, and he was saying, I'm done with Disney. I'm, I'm not going to be making any more movies with Disney, which is a big deal because he's made quite a few movies with Disney. And he basically said, I don't recognize Disney anymore. Disney is a circus. And I, and I came to this realization when I was making Dumbo, live-action Dumbo, in 2019, I don't know. He didn't go into a lot of detail about what was happening, but he, he compared Disney to a circus, and he's just sick of it. He doesn't think that creative, independent kind of movies that he's made, like uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas, things like that. He th- he thinks those kinds of movies are dead at Disney. That they're all in on Marvel, they're all in on Star Wars, they're big IPs, and that they don't really care anymore about creative, independent projects like the ones that he's done for them in the past. What did, Can you read his quote real quick? And just Okay, so this said? was at a press conference at the Lumiere Festival in Lyon over the weekend. Okay. So he said um, that Disney's mainly focused on franchises. He said, it's gotten to be very homogenized, very... Con- homogenized. Homogenized, wow. Homo- yeah, There's homogenized. my blonde moment of the day. Homogenized, <laughs> very consolidated, um, consolidated. There's less room for different types of things, adding yeah. that he would never do a Marvel film. Right. I can only deal with one universe. I can't deal with a multiverse. Right, and then he right. said after Dumbo, he said he likely won't work with them again, saying, my history is that I started out there. He started out as an he animator did, at he Disney. He did, he famous, yeah. He said, I will. I was hired and fired like several times throughout my career there. The thing about Dumbo is that's why I think my days with Disney are done. I realized that I was Dumbo, that I was working in this horrible big circus and I need to escape. That movie is quite autobiographical at a certain level. Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to acknowledge that I, 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 I don't really have too much to say about this other than Tim Burton is correct about Disney. And there was another there was another story on THR that I saw like a, a, a few days ago basically saying the only way to make big time money in Hollywood these days is to don a cape. You got to sell out, get in the superhero business if you want to make a lot of money, not like the old days because in the old days you could if you're a big time A-lister, you can make a lot of, a lot of different money in a lot of different ways in different kinds of movies. Not anymore. Uh and I think this kind of highlights that a little bit that Tim Burton feels that there's not there's not a lot of room anymore for creativity movies like Nightmare Before Christmas or any of the any of the Johnny Depp movies that he's done for them um and I I I see that happening just by the the slate that Disney is putting out all the time yeah their Pixar stuff is like that's its own little thing in its own world and they do some creative things there still but just like traditional Disney movies like 
maybe Encanto is like the rare one, I guess. But aside from that, they're all in, it seems, on superhero stuff like Marvel, Star Wars, like big IPs. And he's right. It is homogenized. It just feels like this big, like, ugh, like okay, like this is what Disney is these days. It's not the Disney of old. It's not that classic ni- 90s Disney stuff anymore. Um, and I think a little bit of the magic is gone. So that's all I really have to say about it is that I agree with Tim Burton. Uh, he pretty much articulated it pretty well, I thought. What would you think? Okay, so for some reason, I thought he was involved in more Disney films than he was. It's like four, maybe. Three yeah, or four. And, yeah. Okay, so first of all, I do agree with the stuff he said about um, Disney being a lot but more focused on franchises, especially, you know, Marvel, Star Wars, et cetera, yeah. like you mentioned. Um, however, he even also mentioned, I didn't, this wasn't part of the quote, it was kind of just a deadline summarized, but he also did mention that these more independent films are made. It's just less of them. Yeah. Okay. So, and I agree with that, but I think it's kind of hypocrit- um, hypocritical in a way because he was involved in two Alice in Wonderland films, which right. are both IPs, Disney yeah. IPs, as is Dumbo. So he was involved in Disney IPs. Obviously, IPs are different than franchises. Yeah. Like, but I still feel like he was like, it's not like he just did these creative one-off That's films. That's true. He's done so some, he was kind he's of done some big blockbuster those. kind of it's, movies. Said, you know what I mean? For sure. And he even said this too. I don't know if this was, a, there was another part of the quote somewhere where he basically said, with that in mind, I don't think I'll ever go do independent movies. I can't go work for an independent studio. Because he was asking, yeah. like, okay, if you feel this way about Disney, why don't you go work for independent films and independent stuff or whatever? He's like, no, 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 no. I've always been, I've always worked for studios. All I know is big, big, you know, big studios like Disney or whatever, yeah. Warner Brothers. Uh, so so it's, he's kind of wants it both ways, it seems. Well, yeah, and I, I, I agree with that. And I also think that I don't, I'm always like, don't burn bridges. Mm. And I feel like it's kind of, Again, talking about bad days. I don't think it's an. He wasn't really shading Disney, but it was like a light shade, right? It was not a light shade. It was it was straight shade. Okay, it was straight shade. up. It shade. was shade, but it was like it wasn't like Disney freaking sucks or the worst. It was kind of just like this is what they're doing. But what he was saying was true essentially. Right, right. But I think it's kind of odd that he's saying this. Like, why why are you going after Disney in the sense that like this is where he got his start. This is where a lot of people know him from. I'm going to Disneyland tomorrow. Mm. Haunted Mansion. They decorate it with Nightmare Before Christmas mm. every year for three months. The line's going to be super long. Yeah. I'm sure he gets royalties for that. Sure. Not saying money's everything. But I think that like, I just, it just, I'm against burning bridges and I feel like it's not in good taste for him to do this. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all but for I people get... speaking their minds. Well, yeah, um... I, I'm, I agree with that, but... I agree. He he is kind of burning a bridge here. Yeah. He's kind of he's publicly saying that yeah. he's this not is where going. I got, this is where I got my start, but I don't want to work for them ever again. Right. Yeah. It's very declarative. Do you know um, what I, exactly? That's a better way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. We'll see what comes of that. Uh, anyway, let's move on to the real segment I want to yes. talk about. What'd you see? What'd you think? I don't know. We didn't do Hollywood. Oh, my God. By the way, that second segment was the Hollywood hoedown. I am so sorry. <laughs> Jesus. My bad. We got too excited. Yeah, for, we did. You know, for, um, our, for our last segment. Yeah. But we're going to get to our last segment here. What'd you see? What'd you think? And... This is where we review movies. We saw four this weekend. You're going to handle the the mainstream stuff. I'm going to handle the not so mainstream stuff. This is the Oscar-y type stuff yes. that's coming Which out. Which I am going to see as well. You are going to see that. those eventually yeah. too. But I went to go see them. So you got you to drive all the way to Century City and yeah. shit. It's a lot. <laughs> far. It's a mission to go out there. And yeah. The parking and everything's a nightmare. Oh. But I saw Triangle of Sadness and I saw Tar. And these are two like Oscar Beatty movies that buzzy. are in, very buzzy yeah. in contention for awards. We're going to hear about them more come January, February. Um, so Tar with Kate Blanchett is getting her a ton of buzz mm-hmm. for potentially best actress. Yeah. And I understand why. Um, I'll quickly explain the premise. It's about a fictionalized female composer who is very famous, almost in the Leonard Bernstein kind of category. In fact, 
in the movie, she is portrayed as a protege, a student, if you will, of Leonard Bernstein. And now she's gotten her own conducting career off the ground. She's doing very well, doing these like big New Yorker like chats and stuff like that. That you know, like this very fancy schmancy kind of stuff. Um, and she lives in Berlin with like her girlfriend, who's part of her Berlin orchestra that she conducts. That's like her main gig is the Berlin orchestra. She heads it up. Um, and it's very interesting. And Kate Blanche is playing a lesbian, obviously, right? And um, Tar is very well spoken. Articulate. That's her last name, right? Yeah, her name is Lydia Tar. Okay. Her name Lydia Tar. Articulate, well spoken, very smart, very uppity, very snooty. Um, also, as the movie comes to show you, a predator. She preys on women. She preys on women, young girls, girls that, who want spots in her orchestra or fe- people in her fellowship because she she has a lot of fellowships and things like that. And there's the, the movie basically kind of follows one. Student, it never shows you the relationship, but at the beginning, it, it introduces you this this girl who's fascinated by Lydia Tarr and wants to talk to her. She's like, "Can I get your number?" And Lydia Tarr, being the older woman, should say, "No, that's inappropriate. You don't. You're not going to get my number. I have a girlfriend. I have a daughter with this woman too. They've like adopted a daughter and stuff. They're raising this little girl." Um, but Lydia Tarr apparently engages in that relationship, takes advantage of this woman apparently, and then the, most of the movie follows the aftermath of that. This girl that she supposedly preyed upon or whatever kills herself, and this scandal follows Lydia Tar throughout the movie until oh, wow. finally it blows up in her face. And along the way, you see how she kind of sets up her own ruin. She's mean to people. She betrays people. She thinks she's better than other people. People that are considered allies, like her, like her, her personal assistant, for example, who's like her one of her closest allies throughout the movie. She betrays her and doesn't offer her a certain position. And then the assistant goes and leaks all this stuff about her and it starts escalating and escalating. And it's just such a fascinating look. It's like wow. a Me Too movie yeah. focused on a woman, though. And I don't want to give too much away, but in the end, Lydia Tarr has this tremendous downfall. And when you see the final shot of where she's conducting in the end from where she was at the beginning, it is eye, it's, it's eye-opening. And oh, it's wow. just it was a, a tour de force performance yeah. by Kate Blanchett. People have been saying that. I'm here to confirm it. So damn good. Um, and it's like, it's it's a long movie. It's like two hours and 38 minutes or something like that. It's long. It's slow. But it's good. Like it's, I love those long, so, slow movies. I love them. Real quick. If you had to decide right now if it was Michelle Yeoh versus Kate Blanchett, who would you choose for Best Actress? I'd still go Yeoh. Um, just because just uh, Everything, Everywhere, out. All at Once was such a raw humanizing performance and it was just so it just touched a it touched an emotional chord that even though Lydia the Kate Blanchett's performance is is out of this world as well it's it's in a different type of light it's mm-hmm. a little colder a little more removed Michelle Yeoh's was just a tearjerker like the they're the front runners that's I now, do so. I agree and if, I think Michelle Yeoh uh, takes the, takes it in my opinion we'll see uh, I also saw Triangle of Sadness um, mm-hmm. another buzzy kind of movie I think it won uh, top honors at Cannes this year um, and the the co-lead is a woman named Yaya in the movie. That's her character name. And her boyfriend is named uh, Carl. It's hilarious. But uh, that actress, Charlie, um, I forget her name, Charlie something, but she died. We covered it here at TMZ that we broke that story. Mm-hmm. This this actress, Charlie, again, forgive me, I'm, for, I'm forgetting her last name. She passed away like suddenly on the heels of doing uh, doing press for this movie. She was at the award shows, at the red carpets. Was she older? She was younger. She's like 30 maybe at most. Oh she's God. she's a beautiful model. Beautiful model. Oh, her, I remember that. Yeah, yes, she passed away that. suddenly out of nowhere. Yeah. I don't know, some kind of illness. It's unexplained. God, such a good performance from her in this movie and her boyfriend. But the premise of the movie is 
these two models are dating, male model, female model, very good looking couple. They have like their issues. It's, a, it's very much so a dark comedy. But basically, the, the movie plays out mostly on a cruise. They go on this like very bougie, expensive luxury cruise based out of Europe. Um, so the standards of, of service are even higher than here in America because they're very, especially yeah. when it comes to like high-end clientele, all the passengers are very rich and wealthy, businessmen, magnates, all this kind of stuff. And the movie shows that the staff will go to any lengths to, to please the customers. You never say no to the customers, and it plays out hilariously. It's kind of like White Lotus-y? Kind of White Lotus-y, yes. Okay. It's very White Lotus-y, actually. Yeah. Funny you mentioned that. Yeah. Um, like, and that's then, an adjective now, White Lotus-y. Yes, and then Woody Harrelson plays the captain of the movie. Oh who's a, He's an alcoholic, though. So he's like, he's like, oh, it's just, it's hilarious because he's a terrible captain. Uh, and there's a, fair, there's a very now infamous 15-minute vomit scene that happens because they end up hosting the captain's dinner, which is like the main dinner for the week. Uh, on during a stormy night, the boat's rocking and going crazy. There's a storm outside, and they're feeding people like caviar and like oysters and all this like very fishy food. Ew. And it's so funny because like even as people are yakking and people are like vomiting everywhere, the staff is still dedicated and committed <laughs> to just staying, <laughs> saying, "Be on your best behavior, service the customer." Like more champagne, sir. Like, yeah. like yakking on them. It's so oh, goddamn God. funny. And then after that, the rest of the movie plays out because the 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 crews gets attacked by pirates, half of it's like blown up. Oh my God. And then they're like some of the crew and some of the people on ship uh, on the ship are, are like um, shipwrecked basically. And a few of them are surviving. They, they're like, they land on an island. There's like five, or, five to six of them on an island. And from there, I don't want to give too much away, but that's where the movie takes a, a weird turn. It takes a huge left turn. Um, there's a, there's a, a breakout star. Um, one of the cleaning ladies in the movie who up until this point, you didn't think anything of, you kind of saw her here and there a little yeah. bit, but at the final act of the movie, she takes center stage. This is just like a Filipino woman or something. It was like in her fifties, right? Mm -hmm. Older Filipino woman, head of the cleaning staff on the, on the cruise. She's one of the shipwrecked people on the Island. She basically starts taking control of the group. I won't explain why, but then the way it plays out and then a huge cliffhanger at the end God, that movie was that was good. It's like highs, lows, funny, shock, like it's everything. Okay. It was everything. And um fantastic performances. Highly recommend Triangle of Sadness just for it's a good dark comedy. Like just a very good dark yeah, comedy. I love a good dark comedy. A lot comedy. of commentary about society, classism, hierarchies yeah. of things. And basically what the point of the movie is that regardless of how rich you are or what your status is, when you're in the bare essentials kind of environment, like like st stranded on an island, you start seeing who actually emerges, what yeah. actually matters, who can fish, who can hunt, who can build fires, who can do these things. Yeah, and it's just very interesting and kind of speaks to human nature a little bit. So that's my review of the movies. What'd you see this weekend? Can't wait to see both of those. Yes. So I saw Black Adam and Ticket to Paradise. Okay. Um. So Black Adam. First thing I want to note is that last week I said, oh yeah, Black Adam's getting great reviews. Okay. They weren't like official reviews. They yeah. were just first reactions. Right. Because then the Rotten Tomato scores yeah, came, came out. out so I don't want. I don't want. I want to clarify that. So there's a huge divide between the critics and the audience. Yeah. Critics, Rotten Tomatoes, 39%. Audience, 90 mm. So I fell around like 60 Okay. I would say. A three out of five. I think that's what I put in my letterbox. Okay. So I thought it was fun. It was kind of what I expected. It was entertaining. It was a good superhero. A lot of great um, action sequences. Special effects. Um, the Rock was what I expected. You know, very macho, badass stunts. You know, I've heard that he, is, he doesn't have his typical Rock charisma in this movie. Is that true? You he know, plays a bit of a darker character. Yes, it's definitely darker. You know, there's a lot about like his past with his son and like you know li liberating this 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 um, um, city that has been um, 
taken over by like mili- like very like ruthless military mm. um uh, army kind of thing and but his is like he had actually more like some humor in there too which oh, okay. i wasn't really expecting Interesting. kind of because he's like a fish out of water he'd been like you know in the ground for like five thousand years yeah, kind yeah, of thing yeah, yeah, yeah. and that stuff's always funny right um so, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like some mind-blowing film. Like, The Rock didn't give some, like, deep emotional performance or anything. Right. Um, but he played a fine superhero. But he played a fine superhero. Okay. I, I'm looking forward to seeing, I just want to know, I'm looking forward to seeing um, what he does moving forward, especially with Superman and Shazam and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. A lot of the supporting cast was great as well. Was I Pierce thought Brosnan? He was good. Yeah. Pierce Brosnan I've been was good. Good about him. He was probably one of the, the highlights, but my favorite was definitely Aldous Hodge as Hawkman. Okay. Not only because he's easy on the eyes, um, but his character was just great. I just really, really liked the, that character. Okay. Um, not a lot to say there, but I just really liked his character. Noah Centineo was great in it, mm. brought some comedic relief. Um I feel like it could have been a little bit longer. Mm. Um, to be honest, it was like it was like two hours and like four minutes, which for superheroes like on the shorter side, I feel sure, like sure, usually sure. they're like pushing two and a half, three hours. Right. Um, which you know that's debatable. People, a lot of people, <laughs> different their opinions right. on that. But um, it was basically like the super like never ending actions scene. Wow. There was like some breaks in there, but it kind of kept going and going. And I was actually in the you know the AMC has like the Dolby Cinema. Yeah. Where the seats like shake. Oh, nice. Um, shouldn't have drank as much soda as I did because I was like struggling the last hour of the movie oh I had to go gosh. to the back because it like kept vibrating so it's my like seat. An, almost like a, an hour long action sequence sort of it's a like I would say at least like an hour wow like action sequence that's insane um, it, right. do you think it's done and it's not okay yeah so that's that could probably go over either way with people yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was really good it set up the next film very well with right. the well, of course with the um, end credit scene yeah um, and I really like Black Adam's like how he became Black Adam. Right, they like really his dove, origin story. His origin story was great. They okay. really dove uh, dove into that. I didn't love the villain. It was like this king, and he became like I don't know what DC. What's up with DC and like these devil monsters? You know, like in Justice League, these like they like, the horns and yeah, stuff. Yeah, they yeah, have yeah. the same thing. I'm like, can we get a new villain? They all look similar. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? They need new character yes. design. Yes, I mean yeah. they're like supposed to be like different characters. They all look, they have like yeah, like you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like these cookie cutter. I don't know what that sound was, but you know what I mean. Yes. Um, but yeah, I locked it. It was fun. Cool. Um, again, highly recommend. Um, I don't. Again, I don't think it's ninety percent. That's a little high. Yeah, that yeah, I'd yeah. say about sixty. But it was one of the better DC EU films Lately. I've seen. Okay. So I'd say it's entertaining. I mean, that's encouraging. It, yeah. Um, but the other movie I saw the was highlight for the you? highlight was Ticket to Paradise rom com. The George Clooney, um, Julia Roberts rom com. Yes. Now I knew this was going to be fun, but I had a blast. Yeah. It was. Don't look at the Rotten Tomato score. Yeah. But they never give rom. They never give rom like new rom coms. Um, good. good Scores anyways, right. but I it was so funny. Like mm. I had tears in my eyes. I haven't laughed that hard probably since everything ever. That's all very telling this year. to me because these are two. First of all, like classic A list movie stars, but they're also kind of fading movie stars. Yes. And yet and yet, despite that, they were still able to bring the chemistry in the in the last. Yes, and Ticket wow. to Paradise did great in the box office. It did. It Way did really higher well. than was expected. Totally. The theater was packed. Yeah. And I saw this movie with my parents. So it was right, like all right, ages right. in this film. Okay. I mean, in the theater. Right. I'm going to see this movie. So really, um, and then the, there was a great supporting cast as well. Mm. Um, Caitlin Deaver, who I talked about last week, was in Rosalind. She plays their daughter, right. um, Julie and George's daughter. Um, Billy Lord is hilarious. Okay. She's so funny in this. Lucas Bravo from Emily in Paris. He yeah. plays Julia Roberts' boyfriend. He's also hilarious. And just the script was great. The chemistry was great. Um, again, it's hard to compare these kind of rom modern rom coms to the classics, sure. I, they'll probably never be like it'll never never well, we'll reach that. That's what I was going to ask you. Like how 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 much 
how much of a throwback did this movie feel like or did it feel like a modern rom-com or did it have like old school vibes or what where was it it was it's kind of in the middle okay. so it was like modern with like you know um some of the humor and stuff but i feel like the chemistry and the core story you know where it made you laugh it made you cry right. it made you you know swoon it made you you're like oh my you know all these emotions that keind of felt that the core like old school rom-com interesting does that make sense it does it yeah does. so i which is good that it, so yes. basically you're saying the soul of the movie is like a classic yes. rom-com something that i hadn't seen in a long time yeah let's just say that totally um, rom-coms was, are by and far i would argue dead in this yes. day and age yeah and when i walked out my mom literally said to me oh that's the movie you'll be watching for a lot long time and it's true like this movie i will get this on streaming wow. i will pay the 20 dollars like to own it, it? whatever to own it wow. um so much fun just a feel-good movie i highly recommend i think everyone will love it and um, i think because I, I believe that George and Julie, I mean, obviously Julie's been in tons of rom-coms, but like, I, don't, I think George has been in maybe in a couple. I can't But not name. like Julia, of course. No, yeah. Julia's the queen of rom-coms, but George has been at least, I know he's probably been in, he's been in so many movies, some that I'm probably unaware of, but I'm yeah. sure he's been in at least a couple. So they're kind of like, plus he's like just a great comedic actor too. So it's good. <laughs> I'm, it's interesting that they finally came together and just made something and together it's like, like that. And, they, and then um, end credits roll and they have a blooper reel. Oh, oh gosh, my God. The, the blooper, blooper reel. reel was, See, like, even that's kind of a throwback too. It Blo- is. Blooper reels aren't even around that much anymore. They don't do that anymore. anymore. No. So ever, like, people, it like was the li- Rush Hour blooper, blooper, eh, blooper reel is classic. It was literally the same of like when people were waiting at like the same experience when people were waiting for the end credit scene in Black Adam. People sat in their seats and watched the blooper reel wow. of Ticket to Paradise. And I'm like, and it was just kind of weird like that that contrast and I'm yeah, like yeah. well you know there's a totally different films yeah, 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 yeah. but still a, drew a big crowd so wow. highly recommend that it's good interesting movie. okay well yeah. that's a great place to end it yeah. thank you guys for checking in checking in with us here uh, stream us Spotify Apple iHeart Amazon we're on the website we're on YouTube yeah. and we will check in with you guys later take it easy see ya see ya